Welcome to Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. I'm Shanda Sung, and I'm a comedian. And I'm Ashley Morgan, and I'm a farmer. We've been best friends since we were nine years old. Welcome to our show, where we teach each other all kinds of things that cover our wide range of knowledge and interests. And today's episode is extinction. Ooh, extinct animals. We did talk about endangered animals. I hope none of those animals <laughs> are on our new list. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't. We need to do an update, a revisit. <laughs> I think the bison are fine. How are the endangered animals doing? <laughs> yeah, a check-in, a follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> previous episodes. That would be funny if we went through and did like every previous episode. Yes, these people still dead. yep these things still a mystery (laughs) yeah still haven't solved those cases yeah that's not what we're here to do no (laughs) we're here to introduce new new ideas right yeah stolen from other people (laughs) correct (laughs) a curation of information yeah there you go yeah so extinct animals kind of a bummer of a topic it is, but I love talking about animals in general, so... Shocking. I ain't mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am steeped in extinct animals right now because I have a six-year-old who loves dinosaurs. We're talking dinosaur pants, dinosaur shoes, dinosaur bedroom, dinosaur bedding, carpet, wall decals, dinosaur book that he just bought from the book fair. I gave him oh money my. for the book fair. He came home with a dinosaur book that has a replica tooth and claw in it that you can take out. Oh, my gosh. Someone is going to get stabbed with those. A hundred percent. Yeah, Absolutely. But- Yeah, he had to do this little project where they give you a paper turkey. You disguise the turkey to look like something else to prevent it from getting eaten, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like macabre, but also, (laughs) you know, for a kindergartner's craft. (laughs) And uh, he, of course, immediately was like, I want to dress it up like a dinosaur. So we made a little dinosaur costume for this paper turkey. We sent it to school and I said, what'd your teacher say? And she said, I knew you were going to make it a dinosaur. <laughs> like, you've been pegged, kid. Yeah. They, they got you figured out. But yes, I, I have learned a lot about the Allosaurus and the Stegosaurus and the Ankylosaurus. Oh. Which I used to call the Ankylosaurus. And then I realized that I can't read. Mm, yep. That's problematic so. when reading the names of dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. We went to the Indianapolis Children's Museum recently. They have an excellent dinosaur section. Have cool. you ever been there? I don't think so. It's a good museum. They've got rotating exhibits. And then they have this whole section that's the dinosphere. And it's a dome. And they kind of project things on it, educational things. And then they also just kind of have it be like ambient sights and sounds for as you're walking around looking at these fossils. And it's really pretty cool. And they have some really good real fossils that were found in Montana by this family of various dinosaurs. And so, and then they have some paleontologists like working in a lab behind these windows and you can just watch them like brushing off fossils or taking measurements or eating a ham sandwich, depending on the time of day. Yeah, they're probably just actors. <laughs> I know. Co- right? Cover it with sand every morning and then just brush that sand brush off for eight it. hours a day. I want that job. Yeah. 
Yeah, they have it like you can chat with them about the work that they're doing and stuff. It's pretty cool. So if you're in the Indianapolis area, even if you do not have children, you can go to the Children's Museum. Oh, good. Just don't be weird about it. Oh, okay. Never mind then. (laughs) Don't like walk around and like stare at people and rub your hands together or anything. (laughs) Talk to other people's kids. Yeah. Hey, what's your favorite dinosaur? (laughs) (laughs) They also have, they have this um, thing that we did where you go and they teach you about paleo art. So obviously they don't know exactly what dinosaurs looked like or what color they were or even like what was on their skin. And so there's art behind it. Every picture of a dinosaur that you see has been drawn by someone and designed by someone. And you go in this little thing and they give you paper and they have you learn about the facts that they know about different dinosaurs. And then they have you design your own dinosaur. And then they have this thing where they scan your design that you draw with markers and stuff and it animates it up on the wall and you can watch your dinosaur that you designed walking around eating grass and stuff and it's so cool oh i want to do that (laughs) i know it's it was super fun and yeah so that's my endorsement of the indianapolis children's museum (laughs) oh my gosh have you seen the drawings and i think maybe we've talked about it on here before where people look at modern day animals and their skeletons yes and then people are like what if dinosaurs were actually fat round like giant ass canaries or some (laughs) some shit like (laughs) yeah they just had like a huge amount of body fat and like what were a completely different shape than what we assume them to have (laughs) yeah yeah Well, you can design that. You can design your rotund canary-like dinosaur and have it become animated and come to life on the wall at the Children's Museum. Uh, I'm there. I'm Yeah. Actually, I'm just I'm going to go right now. Cut okay. cut the show. Yeah. I'm going to go Head right now. Over. <laughs> You'll be there. We could finish the show. Oh, and then okay. you can get over there in time for opening. Okay. Sounds good. That's probably a better plan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, that's cool. I really should check that out. I love natural history museums. I love museums in general, but zoos. I love zoos. Animal sanctuaries. I love that crap, man. I'm an (laughs) an animal person. I always have been. Yeah. My heart can be won over by taking me to the zoo. That would be like an excellent first date for me. Well, I mean, I'm married now, so forget (laughs) that. But just saying back when I was single, if somebody had said, hey, let's go to the zoo, I'd be like, oh, my God, let's go. For those who have not listened to every episode, I feel like I should remind people that your second date was over a pit of animal carcasses. That's true. Yeah. And you just, married that guy. I sure did. Yeah. So just you don't to, even need live animals. Yeah. No, actually, that was romantic. Uh, just to give a recap, in case you don't know that story, on Tyler and I's second date, we took a motorcycle ride up to the mountains and we parked over this beautiful valley in Colorado, looking at the mountains and the sunset, and it was gorgeous. But apparently, we were eating our dinner over a ditch where the county threw all the roadkill. So we were (laughs) eating romantic dinner over a bunch of animal carcasses. And there was like elk and deer and maybe a horse down there. It was like pretty (laughs) gross, apparently. But Tyler's like, man, she's real good looking, but uh, that B.O. is a problem. Yeah. (laughs) Or he was probably like, man, she's good looking, but it's weird how into animals she is. <laughs> she was not weirded out by this at all. She was not scared away by this. Should I be concerned? <laughs> I think the answer at this point, 
he has discovered is yes. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Always yes. <laughs> yeah. So you got any animals you wish were extinct? Oh, <laughs> I think you know where I'm going to go with this. <laughs> I've ranted on this several times now. <laughs> I and anybody can fight me on this. I will gladly have this debate. I think pandas should be extinct. They are beautiful, adorable, dumb, useless creatures. <laughs> She's all like, oh, I love animals. Anything animal is wonderful. Unless they're extremely adorable. Except that asshole. <laughs> Get out of here. Okay, first Unless of all. Unless they're universally beloved. Yeah. <laughs> Screw that guy. <laughs> Although I did read up a little bit about pandas because I was going to talk about pandas at one point on the endangered animals episode. Mm-hmm. And so I did kind of look them up. Their teeth makes it seem like they should be carnivores and they eat bamboo. <laughs> they are clumsy. And there's thousands of videos of them falling out of trees. <laughs> okay. Good thing they're so fat and fluffy. Otherwise, they'd probably have skull fractures. Their babies are born still as fetuses. <laughs> and they have like one. And it is so vulnerable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it requires huge amounts of human intervention in order to take care of these guys. Although, in their defense, I will admit, it was a huge amount of human intervention that got them into this space because they were yeah. probably existing fine way before we came into the picture and destroyed their habitat and <laughs> all that. So, sorry, pandas. I have a love-hate relationship with pandas. They are cute and I love their videos, but I'm like, golly. And I understand that there is a cultural significance for them. Yeah. I do appreciate that. But I look at those animals and I'm like, your babies are born as fetuses. <laughs> Why are you so bad at being alive? Why are you so bad at existing? <laughs> Everything about you is contradictory. But gosh yeah. dang it, you are adorable. <laughs> so fluffy. You just want to curl up in one's lap. I also... I'll say something contrary. I'll say a very unpopular opinion again. Mm, we're getting spicy over here. I know. This is that kind of podcast now. We're getting divisive, okay? Watch out, haters. As much as I love animals, and cute baby animals in particular, I hate puppy breath. <laughs> hate it. There are people that are like, oh my God, puppies, I'll let them lick my face because their little puppy breath is so cute. And I'm like, it's gross. It's yeah. gross. They get yeah. little milk burps and they're they're eating wet dog food maybe at that point. And they're, yeah. oh, no, I hate puppy breath. Come at, <laughs> come at me. I don't care. I'll fight you all. I hate puppy, puppy breath. Puppy breath is fine. I think it's like a comparative thing because adult dog breath is the worst. Oh, so puppy yeah. breath is just not as bad. I mean, I'd rather not <laughs> smell any dog breath if I can't at all help it. Oh, our dog, we have this rule. We have this hard, fast rule with my dog. Anybody who comes to the house, I say, absolutely do not let him lick your face. <laughs> I have seen that guy eat chicken shit all day, every day. On the rig. <laughs> it is gross. Do not let him lick your face. I actually have a TikTok video of him eating chicken poop, and it is really gross. <laughs> it grosses me out every time. My dog's breath is so bad, you know when she comes into a room. Oh, yikes. <laughs> That is awful. Our Cocker yeah. Spaniel, when she was 12 or 13 years old, her breath was so bad that we were pretty convinced that she had already died like two years prior. 
and that it was really just the exorbitant amount of meds she was on just keeping her alive. <laughs> like, that was it. But I'm pretty sure she was a rotting carcass. Yeah. Because uh, her breath was so terrible. <laughs> Although dogs are probably like, uh, your breath isn't great either, Miss yeah, Lady. Right? So, and pandas are like, screw you. <laughs> pandas are like, help, I'm dying. Pandas are like, your babies are pretty vulnerable too. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right i've been very divisive already okay i'm all yeah. riled up come on hopefully we haven't lost half of the listeners I <laughs> they're like, just these like i'm out shitting on pandas and puppy breath <laughs> <laughs> who got me Ashley all morgan up? on record as being against adorable things i'm pretty sure i can't run for office now <laughs> like that'll come back to haunt me <laughs> be like Mrs. Morgan, can you please justify your words when you said on your podcast that pandas are awful and puppy breath is gross? Explain yourself. Go. Explain to the voters why you feel this way. I'll be like, shit. <laughs> Boo. Boo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you... But at least I never have a sex scandal or I've never done blackface. So, I mean, at least I'm, I'm no, light years yeah. ahead of a lot of people in <laughs> office already. So <laughs> I can at least say that with confidence. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. Now that I'm all riled up, you want to yeah. just get into it? Let's let's get into it. Let's shall just we? do it. Yeah. Let's talk about some dead stuff. All right. <laughs> wait, 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 wait to make it morbid. I know. <laughs> This is kind of a morbid episode. Sorry. Uh, it is. It's kind of par for the course with us, though, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about animals that are alive and well, but where's the fun in that? Yeah. Where's the drama? Where's, yeah. Where is the drama? <laughs> All right. So I'm going first today, and my extinct animal that I'm going to talk about is the dodo. Oh. Ah, uh, yeah. So the dodo was found only on the island of Mauritius which is an island east of Madagascar in the Indian Ocean. I'm up in the club just hanging at Mauritius. I don't know. Is that a thing or are you making no, that up? No, it's, it's a Fergie song. She says, I'm, a, I'm just working on my fitness. Oh. <laughs> Vacation in Mauritius. <laughs> I'm in a weird mood today, okay, everybody? Uh, yeah. This one's going off the rails. <laughs> it's already, already. <laughs> anyway. Okay, anyway. The dodo was discovered in 1589 by Dutch sailors. <laughs> and between it being hunted by those who landed on that island, settlers destroying their habitat, and invasive species that came over on the ships, this animal was thought to be extinct by 1662. So Whoops. there was only 64 years between its discovery and its extinction. <laughs> Oof. Not looking good for humans. Human intervention. Really, really muffed that one up. <laughs> yeah, boy, did we. So there is actually no full specimen that exists. In fact, descriptions of this animal have really just been pieced together through written accounts, drawings, art pieces, skeletal remains, a single dried head that was brought to Europe in the 1600s. It's a weird souvenir. I know, right? So they kind of pieced this all together because obviously there were no pictures, no cameras. Right. It is described as being roughly three feet tall, 
around 25 to 40 pounds with brown gray feathers, yellow feet, a small tuft of feathers for its tail, a naked head, and a beak that is black, yellow, and green. So similar in size to like a turkey, Mm -hmm. if that gives you some sort of visual. It was flightless, and it had a very plump body. It was very round, very fat bird. It was originally thought, because it was flightless, to be a relative to the ostrich, because of its beak shape, they thought maybe it was a kind of albatross. Because of its naked head, maybe it was a type of vulture. So it was really described as a lot of different things. But it was a Danish zoologist in 1842 named Johannes Theodor Reinhardt, who said, actually, I think it is closely related to a pigeon. I think hmm. it is a giant ground pigeon. And the scientific community pretty much laughed him out the room they ridiculed him like are you kidding me look at this thing you think that's a giant ground pigeon like you're ridiculous then in 1848 so six years later english naturalists hugh edwin strickland and alexander gordon melville agreed with johannes and said yeah actually i think it's a pigeon too because when Mm -hmm. you look at all of the anatomical features that's actually the type of bird that it most closely correlates to so yeah flightless like an ostrich yeah naked head like a vulture but actually based on all of its features put together it's probably closely related to a pigeon and so johannes theodore reinhardt was probably like suck it bitches i told you like (laughs) i told you it was a pigeon yeah you laugh at me told you it was a pigeon so It wasn't always called the dodo. It was originally named by the Dutch. They called it Volkvogel. Something along the... I don't know. I don't speak Dutch. Is that the sound it made? Volkvogel. Volkvogel. (laughs) Volkvogel. Maybe. And it essentially translates to disgusting bird. (laughs) Rude. Really freaking rude. (laughs) Unnecessary. The Portuguese called it by a name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce because I've already embarrassed myself with the Dutch name. (laughs) I've already embarrassed myself with the Dutch pronunciation, so I'm not going to embarrass myself with the Portuguese. (laughs) But they essentially called it penguins or pinions Mm -hmm. because that's what they thought it was. There's a lot of different ideas of where the term dodo could have actually come from. They think maybe it came from the Dutch word of dodars, something like that. That essentially means fat ass <laughs> or or the Portuguese dudo meaning fool or crazy. The disrespect on this bird. I know. <laughs> Call it a bunch of mean ass names and then wipe it off the face of the earth. Yeah. This poor bird just trying to live its life with its fat ass and its ugly head. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, that's not nice. No. And, you know, it's known in pop culture as being fat, clumsy, dumb. But modern zoologists and biologists actually theorize that it may have been pretty well suited to the environment. Though they don't really know what it was like at the time, they think that the environment was lush, dense forests. Mm -hmm. And that this guy could actually get around on the ground pretty well. It was a 
ground-dwelling scavenger who ate dried fruits, nuts, seeds, small crabs, shellfish. They think that its beak may have actually been used in mating displays and challenging other males. They think that it raised a single chick so that it was a decent parent. Mm -hmm. And so it's made out to be this fat, clumsy, dumb animal, but it actually was probably just a regular old bird just living his life, you know, leave it alone. (laughs) We did that dodo dirty. We really did. (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) There's theories that the island had a very delicately balanced ecosystem that was absolutely destroyed when it was settled. For example, there is an endangered tree called the dodo tree. Mm -hmm. And they think that the reason it is struggling is because its seeds need to be germinated within the dodo's digestive system. And so when the dodo went the way of the dodo, (laughs) that the tree really struggled because now its seeds couldn't germinate as well as it had in the past. Dodos weren't pooping it out. Exactly. Also, there's a type of parrot that went extinct, and they think that it may have been because that parrot relied on the dodo and its stronger beak to help break into Mm. nut shells, and then that parrot would kind of sneak in and grab the nuts that fell out of the casings. And so it was thought that there was a flood that had actually hurt the dodo population prior to it being settled. So Mm -hmm. a big flood had come through this ground dwelling bird. A lot of them were killed during that flood. And so when European settlers came into the area, there weren't as great a numbers as there had been prior Mm-hmm. And so that really just set the scale in the wrong direction for the dodos. The earliest known painting of the dodo is dated 1610, and it shows a depiction of Emperor Rudolph II's menagerie in Prague. And Emperor Rudolph II is part of the Habsburg family. Mm, cousin lovers. Yeah. Those people. (laughs) Apparently, he had quite the menagerie of exotic and unique animals. It is thought that he did have a dodo as part of his collection, along with a bunch of other animals from that island. Living? Perhaps. They think, though, that the painting was of a taxidermied animal. But one of the theories about that is that, okay, well... We think that this painting was based off of a taxidermied animal, but it would have have to have come back alive or at least decently fresh in order to get taxidermied in Europe in order to be available. So they think at one point it was alive in his menagerie, but that painting was perhaps, I don't know how they would know. I don't know if there was something in the painting that it was like sitting on a base, it had a stand or something. But that's what they think that was, that in the painting, it wasn't actually living, but it had to have been living yeah, at some point between the island and that painting. Right, right. Now, the actual extinction itself is really hard to pinpoint. Some say it was as early as 1662 because that was kind of the last recording of it being said In any Mm -hmm. sort of writings, any sort of paintings, any sort of things like that, of like, that's the last time they really heard of anybody talking about the dodo was in 1662. Mm -hmm. But it's really hard to say when it happened. 
exactly the time, exactly the year. But they do know that it was definitely gone by 1710 when the Dutch left the island and that their settlement had just decimated the numbers Mm -hmm. because the dodo had no natural predators. So it had no fear of humans. And then humans Mm -hmm. showed up and they hunted it. They kidnapped them. They shipped them to Europe. They stepped on them with their wooden clogs. Decimated. Exactly. (laughs) And just decimated them through settling their island. Yeah. Bringing in invasive species. All that sort of bad stuff. So by the time the Dutch left the island in 1710, there were definitely no more dodos then. Mm -hmm. So anywhere between 1662 and 1710. But yeah, that sucks. That was actually... So fast. And the thing that gets me is that was pretty recent history. Yeah. That bird, that, which I don't know, I guess part of the reason that I chose the dodo was because Mm -hmm. I've heard about the dodo my entire life, right? Yeah. You've heard of it. You've seen pictures of it. You learned about it in school. You hear phrases like, dumb as a dodo, go the way of the dodo. Mm -hmm. It was featured in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And so... The imagery of the dodo has been around, and I assumed it was a prehistoric animal. Yeah. I assumed it was in the same realm as the giant sloth, the mammoth, the saber-toothed tiger, things like that. And so I was actually pretty shocked when I started the research on this of going, holy shit, that was recent history. Somebody's great, 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 great grandparent could have seen a dodo in real life. Like That's wild to think about. So, yeah, that just kind of blew my mind a little bit. The only remains that can be found are at Oxford University Museum of Natural History. They have a head and a foot that Mm. has been preserved. There is a skull located at the University of Copenhagen Zoological Museum. There is an upper jaw at the National Museum of Prague. There are stuffed and taxidermied specimens that are thought to exist, but it's unknown where they are. They know they have existed, but (laughs) is this going to be one of those things where somebody cleans out a crawl space in this old house and finds a (laughs) freaking taxidermy dodo? Or... What was it that I talked about where they found a painting in a barn? Yes. Yeah. Benjamin Lay. Benjamin Lay. Yeah. The painting of Benjamin Lay was found in a barn and was sold at auction with a bunch of broken frames. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that wild? Like, what if somebody has in their collection that's just been handed down from generation to generation? They don't even care. They don't even look. It's in a armoire somewhere. Yeah. And there's a freaking taxidermy legit dodo somewhere i don't, i hope that i hope that is exists yeah it's I like in it a basement storage unit in a castle in, oh yeah totally <laughs> in spain that somebody had forgotten about oh yeah i yeah. certainly hope so there is a complete skeleton that is located at the durban museum of natural science in south africa but that was i think a couple different skeletons that were pieced together Mm-hmm. So there have been archaeologists and zoologists that have gone to the island and gone to the region and dug for skeletons. They are looking yeah. for dodo remains. And they have been able to piece together some bones and piece together some skeletons. And they do have a complete skeleton, which is great. 
So I guess I'm going to have to go to South Africa and check that out. (laughs) (laughs) Or go to uh, Copenhagen or Prague or Oxford University and check those out. (laughs) Add it to the list. All those places. Let's go. (laughs) Go start ransacking some uh, dilapidated castles. Heck yeah, man. See who's got a crate with a bunch of crap in it in the attic and see if you can find yourself a dodo tour some of these castles and they're like would you like to see the crown jewels i'd be like no i want to see your taxidermied animals yeah <laughs> what do you, what do you have in storage where's the weird stuff show, show me, me the weird stuff <laughs> show me the stuff that got a little bit wet during a flood and so you put it in a room and yeah, yeah. show me that stuff <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, there is a lot more to talk about the Dodo. Again, it's one of those things I had to pare down quite a bit. But yeah, it was fascinating. And again, it's one of those things that I knew about it, but didn't know a whole lot of the details. Yeah. We do that so much on this show. And I freaking love it, man. I know. (laughs) It's like, here's the thing that's been in my brain for 30 years. And now I'm actually. Yeah. Actually going to research it with some purpose. the significance of it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's all wild. I had to say about the dodo at this time. Mm-hmm. If we do extinct animals part two, I'll do a dodo part two. How about that? Okay. <laughs> no, I won't. I'll move on to other extinct animals. There's millions of extinct animals we could talk about, <laughs> unfortunately. I'll talk about a dinosaur there for you your go. son's entertainment. <laughs> but all right. So that's all I had to say about the dodo. Let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor. All right, we're back, and it's my turn, and you said what mine was already once. It was a teaser. Ooh. I'm doing the mammoth. Yes. I love a mammoth. So I figured you would be on board with this because they are basically elephants. Yep. Love (laughs) elephants. Yes, and there are several different types of mammoth. I think mostly I wanted to focus on mammoths in North America, Mm -hmm. but... They're all very similar. So unless you get into the nerdy little details, which we just don't have time for. No. (laughs) It will largely across the board. This is all accurate. So a mammoth is by definition any species of the elephanted genus Mammothus. Okay. So there's your organizational information. There you go. In case you want to chart it, you know, you got a little bit of Latin there. (laughs) the information that you need for that they lived a long time so from five million years ago up until about four to possibly two thousand years ago so that's a very long expanse of time that they lived through the Pleistocene age into the holocene and the mammoth itself it's more closely related to like asian elephants than african elephants so if you want to sort of visualize what they look like it's more asian elephants a little slenderer a little taller like thinner limbs the main difference is that mammoths had much smaller ears and kind of a taller forehead and they were thinner especially in the legs mm-hmm. and obviously fuzzy mm-hmm. furry little guys in north america there were four species of mammoths there was the columbian the jeffersonian the island pygmy which was just on the channel islands off of california they sound adorable <laughs> little pygmy mammoths yeah little cuties and then the woolly mammoth 
And the differences between the four, aside from the size of the pygmy, were mostly in their teeth and the structure of a few of their bones, but largely they were very similar. Mm -hmm. They came to North America from Eurasia by crossing the Bering Strait, which was the land bridge that connected Eurasia to Alaska before the ice age ended and sea levels rose and covered it. So that's how they ended up in North America. Um, they were very big, obviously 10 to 12 feet up to maybe 13 and a half feet may have been the biggest one. And they weighed six to eight tons. So dying gigantic. And the period in which they lived, there was a lot of other large animals like that called megafauna. Basically anything that was larger than approximately human sized mm -hmm. uh, is considered megafauna of that time. Obviously, there were many organisms that were much tinier than that, but there were a lot of these animals that were bigger and bigger than their modern counterparts, like horses and deer, things like that. They also had large tusks and both the males and the females had the tusks. Neat. So... Ladies could impale too. Yeah, equality. <laughs> Woolly mammoths, we know a little bit more about their appearance specifically because many have been found mummified. Yeah. With hair intact, which is very cool. So they were caught in permafrost and those are the most intact species that we have. And so we're able to know that, for instance, they had reddish orange hair. Oh my God, me too. Yeah, and some of them, though, it's theorized that they may have been blonde. So oh there God. could have there's a Shanda mammoth and an Ashley mammoth. Aww. Though scientists do debate whether or not I can still be considered a blonde. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is much debate in the scientific community as to whether or not. I can be called blonde when I have not been naturally blonde since the 80s. <laughs> so still no research as to whether or not mammoths also dyed their hair blonde. Or <laughs> Is that Clairol? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's the appearance of mammoths. I would love to have ridden one. <laughs> they seemed very lovely. I'm sure that you have similar feelings thanks to your love of elephants. Yes. You know what? I'm sure they didn't smell bad at all. No. I'm sure no, that probably hair didn't not. hold in any kind of funk <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> Big stinky hairy animals. <laughs> in their defense, there wasn't like a lot of sweating going on because they lived in a very cold climate, a cold That's and true. dry climate. So the main habitat for mammoths was something called the mammoth steppe, S-T-E-P-P-E. -P -P -E. mm -hmm. And it was a massive biome that covered most of the globe, northern hemisphere of the globe for a very long time. It covered like all of Eurasia, stretched into Canada and then down into the what is now the United States, reaching down into like Wisconsin. And that area was kind of right where the glaciers had covered and so it was 
a very cold, this is all during the area of the last glacial maxim. So it was the, the height of the, the last ice age. Mm -hmm. And most of the water was ice, obviously. So right. there was just not any humidity in the air because all of the water was locked up. So it's yeah. not circulating through the water cycle. So it was a very cold and dry climate. So mammoths were good at living in that in that type of weather. So they they had their circulatory system was powerful. The blood that they had was able to hold on to oxygen at a very high rate. Their ears were much smaller, so they're not flapping in the wind, giving away their body heat. Yeah, getting frostbite. <laughs> yeah. And the flora at that time, the plant life was also very hardy because it's, they're living through these kind of harsh conditions. And it was a lot of high productivity grasses and shrubs and willows and stuff, things that had a lot of bang for their buck nutrient wise. So that's what really enabled all of this megafauna to survive was the high productivity grasses and things so they didn't have to eat a lot to get everything that they needed. So they would eat all of these shrubs and then their babies nursed. So they would have these babies that was similar to elephants in that they would gestate for about two years and then they would be born and then they would nurse for about two years. But as they were nursing, baby mammoths would also eat the poop of the adult mammoths. Gross. So gross. They had uh, some stank breath, too. They really did. So they're on like a high protein diet of mama milk and mama duty. They're just <laughs> taking everything from their mothers. Yeah, gosh, you can't even poop in peace. I know. Jeez. Won't even leave a steaming pile alone, huh? Yeah. So it was because these the grasses and stuff that they were eating were so packed full of nutrients that their bodies didn't even absorb it all. So when they passed it out of their bodies, there was still some meat on the bone <laughs> nutritionally. There are a lot of animals that eat their own poop. Rabbits actually have two different kinds of poops. They have the pellet mm -hmm. form, and then they also have a more liquidy viscousy type that they will mm -hmm. eat they, it essentially has to go through their system again in order to get the rest of the nutrients out so there's so. a whole different meaning to number one and number two yes <laughs> they number one number two three four five i don't know they got a bunch of things going on <laughs> down there so <laughs> uh i get it but it's so gross yeah i mean i won't do it but good for yeah. them you know if you're hard up for nutrients I guess you can go there. That's what I've heard about dogs eating cat poop because cats don't fully absorb nutrients to the extent that dogs do. That's why dogs are like, man, there's still some there, man. <laughs> man, you're wasting it. You going to finish that? <laughs> <laughs> Another reason that they were eating their mother's poop is that their teeth weren't developed enough to chew up this gnarly grass that was yeah. so fibrous so these uh poor babies they gotta gum down some some dookie instead of chewing <laughs> on some fresh veggies <laughs> silly uh, mammoths they believe behaved pretty similarly to elephants socially they traveled in maternally led 
herds and then bulls would kind of be loners and then come seduce a hot lady and then go out on their own and become best friends with a sloth and a saber-toothed tiger when they rescue a baby human. Is that from the movie? That's the plot of the movie Ice Ages. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, speaking of extinct animals in movies, I had read something recently that the movie Rio, the cartoon about the parrots. Oh, yeah, yeah. That apparently those blue macaws have gone extinct since that movie was made in 2011. Way to go. DreamWorks. There was a DreamWorks movie. I don't know, but that's bleak, man. It is bleak. Sorry, I brought it down. <laughs> My How man. dare you? I know. Sorry. Talk about an extinct animal in the middle of me talking about extinct animals. I know. <laughs> yeah, but this was recently extinct. It's one thing yeah. when, when uh, things go extinct millions of years ago, you're like, eh, I didn't have anything to do with that. And those birds could talk. Yeah. In that mm-hmm. movie. They were sentient conscious beings i mean all animals are but still like they could actually speak english (laughs) whoa man that is crazy i guess that movie was kind of popular but not popular enough to like rally people around to save the bird i guess not popular enough to spark conservation efforts yeah man how's that you know you write a movie you think you're gonna help out something and people were like this movie was fine this movie was good but was it like activism good no (laughs) (laughs) do i want to save these birds not really i don't feel like you developed the characters enough that i feel motivated (laughs) to save them i mean honestly don't care that much about their journey that's an indictment of your writing (laughs) that screenwriter should be ashamed oh (laughs) hope they're not listening right you can't the weight of the extinction of this macaw <laughs> on a screenwriter's shoulders. <laughs> I can and I will. <laughs> Somebody needs to take these people down a bag. <laughs> Somebody needs to take responsibility. And it's that writer in L.A. That yeah. guy. That one guy. <laughs> that one guy. <laughs> he did this. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> So eventually, spoilers, mammoths went extinct. What? Yeah. Unacceptable. Very sorry. (laughs) I can't believe you're sharing this news with us. (laughs) (laughs) You're telling me this now? (laughs) Believe it or not, science is not 100% positive how and why they are extinct. We're learning new things all the time. Science does that. So there is a little bit of debate in the scientific community. There are new information that's coming out. So who knows by the time this comes out why mammoths were extinct. Mm -hmm. But as far as I know, the current information is that it was largely because of a massive extinction event that affected many of the megafauna during the last glacial retreat so approximately twelve thousand years ago a little bit prior to that as well these megafauna started to die out because the temperature warmed up the glaciers began to retreat the climate changed the nutrient dense vegetation that these animals were depending on to eat 
began to die out and were replaced by other types of vegetation that were not as nutrient rich and therefore required much more to be eaten in order to sustain these large animals. Their habitats changed, disappeared. The open woodlands and grasslands that they had been living in, these cold, arid environments, changed into forests. And some were able to adapt, um, others not as much. Mammoths began dying off. Specifically, the woolly mammoth hung on a little bit longer. But climate alone is unlikely to be the only cause. It definitely was a factor. But there are other theories that there was a period of infectious disease that went through that killed off many numbers of them. A lot of them their numbers depleted and they were separated into these very small specific communities in different parts of the world who may have encountered early humans who then hunted them and killed them and killed off these already decimated populations. Yeah, we're ruining everything. I know, right? (laughs) Some of the species that were confined to specific islands may have drowned because of rising sea levels. Mm. Woolly mammoths were the last to go. They were in Europe up until about 10,000 years ago. There were a small group of them on St. Paul Island in Alaska until 3750 BC. And recently, fairly recently, there have been found some mammoths in Siberia that died about 2000 BC. Hmm. So not that long ago, and they're finding more all the time because the permafrost is less permafrosty than it was, (laughs) and more mammoths are being uncovered. So it's likely that we will find some that lived even longer than that. There are tons. They think that there are still 10 million mammoths frozen in the ice in Siberia. A few uh, random factoids, because we love those. Yeah, bring it. Thomas Jefferson was very interested in paleontology and was the first person recorded to use the word mammoth as an adjective. (laughs) So instead of just saying a mammoth is an animal, it's saying, I don't know what he used it in reference to, but man, what a mammoth piece of cake you just handed (laughs) me to eat. (laughs) That was probably it. Yeah, I'm sure it was. (laughs) Thanks, Sally. (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah, so Thomas Jefferson came up with the use of mammoth as an adjective, which I found interesting. There was a lot of lore about mammoths. Obviously, they, along with bison and horses, are the three most depicted animals in early human cave drawings. So... Mm -hmm. They have been culturally significant for a very long time. And some early civilizations believed some myths about them Mm -hmm. because they would find these bones and often they would find bones and tusks underwater because the sea levels rose. (laughs) And so there are some civilizations that believed that mammoths were water creatures Ah. or water spirits and that they still existed at that time and the bones only surfaced because they died when they surfaced. Ah. Wild. 
Yeah, and there were, especially some native Siberian civilizations believed that they were a giant mole-like creature that tunneled under the ground, which is terrifying to think about because they're huge. (laughs) Yeah, oh boy. Like, early humans literally built houses out of out of mammoth rib cages so like they're finding these bones and being like yeah this is definitely something that's just digging around beneath our feet right now boy they had vivid imaginations <laughs> yes they did it's like that movie tremors yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's just a mammoth pops up like a ma- giant tusked mammoth <laughs> it goes out, shakes its head and all this dirt goes flying <laughs> yeah. save me reba save yeah. me <laughs> is that kevin bacon in that too yeah yeah. <laughs> so mammoths have been culturally significant and also their bones were used for all kinds of things shelter being one of them the ivory from their tusks were used for tools and art for these early civilizations and a crazy thing is that mammoth ivory is still legal to sell and trade and preferred to be used as a replacement for elephant ivory, which is now illegal. Oh, well, they're probably like, eh, mammoths are already dead. So, yeah. I mean, hey, what are yeah. we going to do? Come on. At least we can keep the elephants alive by using the ivory of an animal that's already dead. Exactly. It's crazy. It makes sense when you think of it that way, which is like, mm-hmm. well, this animal's already dead. We can't do any harm. But like my brain of <laughs> thinking of like any bone you find is a fossil and it's significant and it's scientifically mm-hmm. important. But I guess they're like, there are so many of these. I do whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. But to the point that some poachers who still use elephant ivory and kill elephants for their ivory in order to skate by legally they will label it as mammoth ivory no yeah it's terrible it's like but i guess what has helped is that due to the rise in temperatures and the permafrost is is melting revealing all of these mammoths that have been there pretty well preserved for all of this time there's a larger influx of supply of mammoth ivory so yeah here they are saving their little cousins <laughs> saying don't kill them we're already dead just take it that's wild just take it and, yeah. well what's wild to me is that it seems like more is known and there are more viable specimens mm. of a mammoth that lived millions of years ago than there is of a dodo that lived right hundreds of years ago yeah it's probably just because the dodo lived in a tropical climate so preservation is very difficult Mm -hmm. there were a lot less of them in terms of the vastness of the territory that a mammoth had so they're going to be found all over the northern hemisphere and bodies are more easily preserved in sub-zero temperatures so yeah yeah, that makes sense. And there's probably way larger populations. So yeah, I guess that makes more sense. But it's wild to me, the timeline, because mm-hmm. they were around millions of years ago. And yet we know more about mammoths than we do about dodos who were alive hundreds of years ago. Yeah, that humans had much more interaction. Well, I guess 
not necessarily, but more modern humans. Yeah. With more record keeping, you know? Yeah, they were around in recorded history, and yet Mm -hmm. modern science knows more about the mammoth mammoths than they do the dodos. Yeah, that is very interesting. My mind is blown. Yeah. Well, get ready to have it blown again because all of these mammoths are coming out the freezer and some completely insane people have said, what if I ate that? Uh, what? You think that meat's still good? No, people are eating mammoth jerky. People have done it. One person in particular did it. So as soon as they come out of the frost... The millisecond they are no longer frozen, they are rotting immediately, rapidly. So most of the time when one is unfrozen, the smell is just monstrous. And so they're working to kind of preserve whatever they want to preserve or just yank the tusks out and get the hell out of town because it smells so bad because it's rotting. But (laughs) one... Chinese paleontologist, a man named Jing Lida, in 2011, live streamed himself eating a piece of mammoth leg that he had cooked. So somehow it was discovered, it was kept frozen until he was able to cook it immediately before it went rancid. And he seasoned it with salt. And one thing I read said that he reported that it tasted bad and tasted like soil. No surprise there. But then another thing I read said that he said it tasted like wild boar meat. Hmm. So either wild boar meat tastes like dirt or (laughs) these reports are inaccurate. I don't know. I've never had wild boar. Unlikely that I ever will. Don't know of a circumstance where I will. Ew. Gross. Come on. I mean... The things we do to get internet famous, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> why? Yeah, why did he think that was a good idea? He said, he was like, I'm doing it for science. It's like, what possible he... scientific thing? Why? Yeah, I don't know. But he did it and it was dumb. <laughs> did he die or get sick No. Or I mean, nothing that I read said that he got sick. I mean... I won't eat lunch meat if it's been in my fridge more than four days. <laughs> but that guy will eat a million-year-old mammoth. Yeah. <laughs> fresh from the tundra. Yeah. Gnarly. And complain it tastes like dirt. Yeah. <laughs> what did you want? You want veal? Like, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> we got filet mignon? Come on. The last little thing is that there is serious planning to attempt to clone a mammoth. Oh, my gosh. So they have considered injecting some mammoth genetic material into an elephant embryo or even into one that is already growing in an elephant. And so, like, the plans, what they would do, it would end up being just 1% mammoth DNA. So I don't know what the point of that would be. Yeah, go big or go home. Other than to inch us closer to a real-life Jurassic Park situation, which I'm not on board with. Have we learned nothing from 10 freaking Jurassic Park movies, okay? (laughs) The theme in every single one is we should not have done this. Yeah. People are out there asking if they can when they're not asking if they should. Actually, what they're probably doing is they're like, you know what? We need more mammoth for its tasty dirt meat. 
and <laughs> it's ivory so yeah you better start impregnating them elephants because yeah let's bring back a mammoth and then poach it to extinction again yeah man that's the <laughs> cycle of life now right yeah man so yeah that's everything i had on mammoths obviously there is a lot more information if you want to get extra sciency if you want to know about the little differences between all the species all of that information is out there people and um if you want to eat some mammoth get your ass to siberia go visit lake baikal and then go pick yourself up a mammoth sandwich for the train ride back yep yeah so well that's everything i had so when you're not wishing ill on adorable animals <laughs> like pandas and puppies uh <laughs> what do you, where can we find you so i will say i do have some extinct animals of my own on the farm oh this episode airs thanksgiving and our turkeys did go to the processor so yeah. we no longer have our turkeys on the farm they are on the table or in the freezer so yep turkeys are gone we're pretty much done for the season it's yeah. just now riding out the winter with the rest of our laying hens and our alpacas and of course the cats and the dog but if you want to see funny animal content you can find us at the farm on tiktok and facebook crimson moon farm or you can find us on our website at crimsonmoonfarm.com but what about you you got shows coming up I do. I've got some shows in December that I'm excited about. I'm going to be featuring for Shane Torres at the Comedy Attic. We've got another show up in Hamilton, Indiana that we're producing on December 1st. So you can find out about that and then all of the last minute shows that I get booked on. Yeah. <laughs> on my social media, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Shanda Sung. Instagram is Shanda.Sung. I am also on TikTok at Shanda S. Panda. You can find this show that you're listening to right now, Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda on Facebook and Instagram and Passing Notes podcast on TikTok. And we've got some new followers the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we've I love it. We've got some new listeners. We would love to hear from you. Let us know how you found us. Let us know what you're liking about the show. If you don't like the show, keep that to yourself. Yeah. We're sensitive. Don't say anything. Yeah. But if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, uh, scroll down, give us a rate and a review. That would make us very happy. And above all, I hope you share this show with your best friend. Absolutely. And like every week, I want to thank my husband, Tyler, for helping us record, edit, and produce this show. We want to thank you all for listening. This is episode 86. We want to welcome all the new listeners. Yeah. Happy to have you. For Shanda Sung, I am Ashley Morgan. Join us next time on Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. Hey, this is Tyler, Ashley's husband. I hate to break in here. But when they said they wanted to do this podcast, I said, hell no. <laughs> I said, seriously? Guys, come on. I don't have a lot of free time. <laughs> but thanks to Anchor, they make it easier when I begrudgingly edit their podcast. <laughs> he should definitely reshoot that. And <laughs> make it that <laughs> he comes on he sounds so tired <laughs> i'm still doing this <laughs> and if it wasn't for anchor making it even a little bit easier i would have told these bitches to go to hell already <laughs> <laughs>